All right, so we are, this is, uh, you just when you thought it was over, part three of evangelism. Uh, yeah, woo, yeah, that's it. Oh, I like that. That's nice. I got what I asked for. Um, but uh, just chatting with the team, and they're like, this, just keep more. So we, and again, this is kind of what we, what we try to do is just what, what God's talking about. We want to keep talking about what God's talking about. Uh, and, uh, and so we're, this one's going to be a little bit more practical. We've got a few testimonies uh, that people are going to share, which is really exciting. Uh, but this is about the fivefold family. So this is what it looks like when God's family, His church that exists in local expressions all around the earth, when they are informed by what we call the fivefold ministry. So when they're informed by the apostolic kind of gifting, the prophetic gifting, the evangelistic, the shepherding and the teaching, when we are operating as a family, expressing those parts of who God is, then we're functioning as the family that God wants. Okay, it's good. So there is a fivefold family. Then we also have a fivefold kind of church, the kingdom expression of that, which is a whole nother topic, which we'll potentially get to one day. Um, this is really just talking about how, can, how do we relate to one another and how do we also live on the earth, uh, recognizing that each one of us will have one of those things will be highlighted in our lives. So we'll be maybe more evangelistic than we, than we are shepherding. We might be more of a teacher than we are apostolic. Um, but we want all of them because all of them together help us to grow into maturity to become like Jesus. That's the goal. Amen? Amen. All right. So... What is evangelism? It is simply sharing the good news of Jesus and his kingdom with others. It's proclaiming the good news. And this is not just through words, it's through deeds, it's through uh, revealing the reality of the spiritual kingdom of God. So remember the disciples even, they were expecting Jesus to come, the Messiah to come, and to establish God's government on the earth in a natural way. So they're thinking, oh, this is King Jesus. And they're asking him even like, cool, so when are we actually going to take over the, the Romans and, and defeat these people so you would establish your government on the earth? And what Jesus reveals to them is like, my government is spiritual. Uh, it's, it's not going to come in the same way that you might expect it to come. Um, but it, is, it was a reality. So as Jesus traveled from place to place, he spoke about the kingdom of God. And he demonstrated the reality through signs, wonders, miracles, healing, all of this amazing stuff. That's the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Where is he? He dwells in us, the book of Romans says. So the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. Okay, so we know that we have the same spirit that Jesus was anointed with, the Holy Spirit that came and rested on him like a dove after his baptism. So we get to walk in that same power. So we understand it's not just about the words that we say, it's also about the, the reality that we demonstrate of the kingdom of God. It's really hard. I found people can argue with my point of view on something. It's a lot more difficult when a miracle happens. It's a lot harder to discount the reality of God when, they, when somebody sees a miracle happen right before their eyes. It's how Jesus did it. We just want to do it in the same way. Amen? And the other really important point is that it is evangelism is more about invitation than it is information. Remember, we're inviting someone into, back into right relationship with God. That relationship has been broken between God and humanity. And so God is inviting people back into relationship with Him. We can, we can throw out as much information as we want. Uh, but if it's all just about information, trying to get people to agree with us, that's actually not what God is trying to do. Is that a relief? 
oh, cool, so I don't need to convince somebody. No, you don't need to convince anybody. If we only convince people and they agree with their mind, that's not the reality of the kingdom of God coming. That's not them being born again. That's not the spirit indwelling them and making his home in them. But that's what Jesus did. That's what he established on the earth. So it's about, hey, just want you to know God's handed out an invitation to you. He wants you to know him. He is inviting you back into right relationship with him. Now, there's information around that. And again, it's not that we want people to be ignorant, but it can't all just be about pumping out information, information, information. It's all about invitation, invitation, invitation. Amen? All right. Hey, so I want to start by just by uh, having Teresa share a bit of a testimony. Where is she? Uh, she's... <laughs> You can, you'll be out of here. Ta-da! Yeah, you just had to make a grand entrance. So let's see. This is Teresa. Teresa's awesome. Teresa is also looking after all of the hospitality stuff at the moment, so I'm assuming that's what you are probably. Yeah, peeling carrots. Peeling carrots. There you go. Not potatoes, potatoes, potatoes. <laughs> So, Teresa's going to share a little bit about kind of her journey with evangelism and how it kind of works itself out in her everyday life. And remember, we're wanting you to understand this is accessible, it is for everyone, and it's just normal everyday life stuff. It doesn't have to be a particular event, you don't have to go out and, and you know, walk the streets talking to strangers. You can do that if you want to, um, but you don't have to do that. It can just be as you go, opportunity comes about. So, go for it. Thanks very much. Hey, hello everyone. He'll turn around. Um, so I'm an empath, burden bearer person. I learned that from Elijah House. And because I'm an empath, oh yeah, sorry. So I buy and sell marketplace. So I upcycle furniture, find something cheap, sell it dear. So <laughs> yeah, that's the way to go. And so um, I have lots of people come to my house. And um, so I'm an empath, right? So it's easy for me to pick up where people are at, if they're sad or joyful or um, scared or whatever. And I'm seemingly I'm good at asking questions. My friends tell me I'm good at asking questions. So um, I think God naturally wired me with boldness. I don't mind asking questions, and I get away with it. So I can ask tough questions and carry it off, you know? So... Um, yeah, so when I have someone come, um, like I'll give an example. A lady was buying craft off me, and I said, oh, um, uh, you, this is a hobby, or she says, oh, yeah, she told me her story that um, she was a, a teacher at school, and one of the children attacked her, and she was traumatized by it, and so she had to leave work. And um, <clears throat> so... Uh, like I said, I've, I've done Elijah House, so I've been equipped with the tools to help people. And um, I knew she'd been through trauma, and I know how to pray trauma off people. And so I got the skills. I'd like to use them. So <laughs> I'm not afraid to use them. So I, I said to her, oh, that would, you know, empathize with her. Oh, that would, you know, and I cry naturally with people, I suppose, too, if the Holy Spirit, you know, wants me to cry. So, um, yeah, I said, oh, that must have been so traumatizing, you know, too. I'm so sorry um, and all that. 
and uh, she started crying and I says, well, uh, I'd like to, I, I can pray the trauma off you if you'd like. And um, she didn't want me to, that's fine. I'm not going to do something someone doesn't want. Um, so yeah, um, I often have people let me, you know, but I, I think, one, I was just thinking last night that one of the things I'm not afraid of, is not, I'm not afraid of people's reaction. Um, I think that's a gift from God too. Uh, so I don't mind what people say. I don't mind if they say no, if they say yes. I don't mind at all what they say. It's not, the onus is not on me. You know, it's, it's they have free will. So, yeah. So I love, I just talking to Jess Talbot yesterday. Jess is one of the pastors here. And I discovered that I'm probably more comfortable with people I don't know than with people I know. Which is funny, isn't it? <laughs> what, what did he say? Oh, yeah, don't be worried. He hasn't got the broken leg because of me. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm not afraid of people. I'm an empath. I have the tools. I'm very thankful to have the tools. So, um, and, uh, one of the things I decided to, because Brad's teaching on the culture, you know. So, I decided to, on mission culture, mm -hmm, missional and living. So, uh, I felt God said to me to join a craft group. And the ladies um, haven't got a relationship with the Lord that I know of. So when I'm there, so every Monday, um, I get to bring the kingdom of God to them. I get to bring the culture because I've learned it. You know, uh, I've been equipped. So it's exciting. And I love it. And I get to be Jesus to them, to those ladies, you know. Uh, yeah, and I pick up on, like, one of the ladies... Um, has this defiling thing that she wants people to reject her, and I sense that, so I, I go the opposite. I make sure I love on her as much as I can. Um, yeah, so there you go. So just, did you pick up some of the tools in that? She says, I ask lots of questions. And it's a genuine care and concern. Like, I just, you just ask people questions. And in the asking, sometimes someone will make a comment. And you'll go, oh, cool, there's an, there's an open door for me to share the gospel, the good news with them. You might ask lots of questions, and there's no open door and no opportunity. And that's okay as well. But you're prepared for, for that. Uh, she also spoke of being an empath. So you might be one of those people that's almost like when you're around people and you can feel their emotions. So that's, a, that's, a, that's the Holy Spirit sometimes stirring that in you to say you're, you're feeling what's going on for them. Or if they cry, you might start crying. I don't tend to do that unless it's like if I see men crying, then I tend to cry. Um, I don't know. Maybe I've just been, I've worked with women for so long, I'm so used to them crying. It's just... <laughs> It's like, oh, that's, that's the Tuesday. Um, <laughs> uh, sorry, I'll, I'll look over here. I'll see someone that, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, but, you know, like there's something where you're drawn with compassion. Jesus did that. There's a, there's a, there's a story in the New Testament where Jesus was going and he was going to spend time with the Father and then he sees the, this crowd of people and he has compassion on them, the Bible says. So he's drawn, his heart is drawn to them. So he goes and then he ministers amongst them and releases healing and, and breakthrough. So it's also having your heart open that God might stir up compassion and empathy in you that would draw you towards a person. And I think that's what love does. See, if evangelism is the goal, that's, that's one thing. If love is the goal, 
I feel like you'll be so much more motivated and you'll step out because love conquers fear. So you'll step beyond your fear and you're like, I care too much about you to not say something, to not enter into this situation. Do we want to see a miracle? Maybe of, of someone's broken limb being healed? That's really cool. But more than that, do I want someone to be free from the pain that they're living in in that moment? Okay, so that's, that's what letting love compel us uh, into that situation. But also, even as Teresa said, she's like, well, I'm not afraid. If I say, can I pray for you? And they say, no, what's, what have you lost? Nothing. Potentially, what might you have gained? Someone returning to the kingdom, someone being healed and restored, someone hearing the voice of God for the first time. That's what we are lacking if we don't step out. But remember, we're giving the invitation and someone can reject the invitation. We need to be prepared. People will reject the invitation of Jesus. It's a, it's a sad reality to, to consider. But what I would rather is somebody be given the opportunity to reject the invitation rather than never having received that invitation in the first place. Amen? All right. So what qualifies someone to evangelize? What qualifications do I need to evangelize? It helps. None. I mean, literally in the Bible, like I've, I've heard non-Christians evangelize. Anyone can proclaim the good news of Jesus. I mean, there's probably some Christians who don't believe the good news and they, they proclaim it all the time. But yeah, I'm just saying, like you don't, don't even have, you don't even have to be a Christian. It really helps. It's, it's far more beneficial. Um, but we, you don't need the right qualifications. You need the right motivation. That's what helps. It's not about, well, have I, have I learned enough of the Bible? Have I, have I studied enough of the Scriptures? Do I know a, a three-part gospel presentation? No, you need to love. You need to love. Love God, love people. That's, that's the best motivation that you can have. And then trust God to lead you in that. As I said before, let love compel you rather than just duty. Sometimes we can be, I know I should evangelize, so I better go and do it. And I'm, again, I'm like, if you don't have love and you've only got duty, do duty as well. Because God st will still love through you, even if you're not filled with love in that moment. So I'm not saying don't, I think this is maybe more of a, of a kind of modern cultural thing where we, where we do what we feel like, rather than what's right, rather than what God commands. I think that's an idol of self that needs to be broken. Um, it's, it's what people call moralistic therapeutic deism, where our whole belief system is based upon if I feel that it's right or if I think that it's right, therefore it must be right. And that's really the God that people worship in modern day culture, even sometimes in Christian culture. We moral the God of good feelings. We, we, sorry, we worship the God of good feelings. We worship the God of, uh, he's, he's doing what I want him to do at the moment, so therefore I'll follow him. If he's doing what I don't want, then I'll choose not to follow him. That, that ain't no God. A God made in our image ain't no God at all. That's an idol, okay? We are made in His image, and we need to see Him as He is. But if God says, do this, we don't say, oh, I just don't really feel like it. Or I don't feel, I don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Again, if you're only going by conviction <laughs> rather than prompting, like there's that negative thing with something, well, I'll do it if God really twists my arm. Again, there's no way to live in relationship with God. But the other issue is that our conscience can become seared and we can actually shut down the voice of God by not obeying Him. So it's also a really unhelpful kind of way to journey with Him. But anyway, I'm sorry, that's not in my sermon. But um, it is your will be done, not our will be done. 
your will be done, which means your desires, that your desires would come about, God, not my desires. If my desire is opposed to your desire, whose desires should we follow? God's desires. That's what lordship looks like. That's what God being God and you being not looks like. Amen? I know I'm saying it's like a simple thing, but it's really, really important as a foundation. All right, so... We don't need to have all of this training and equipping and skills and all that sort of stuff. As even Teresa shared, so she's done the Elijah House training. That's helpful. So someone presents, I've got all this trauma in my life. She's like, hey, Jesus has equipped me with tools to know how to pray for that. That's awesome. So get equipped. So we're encouraging you don't go, I don't need qualifications. Therefore, I'm not going to train in any way. Not at all. The role, again, of the fivefold is to equip the saints for works of Ministry. So wherever you are, ministering on behalf of God. But you don't need to feel like I need to be at some level. If you gave your life to Jesus today, you can spend the afternoon sharing the good news with others. Okay? That's all. Sorry? Yeah, you possibly are better than at it. Because you're not bound up by all this, oh, what should I say next? And then fear and all of that sort of stuff. You just there's a boldness that comes. I love when people meet Jesus and they're just out there sharing it with everybody that they can. They're often the best evangelists. Um, we need to not work ourselves out of it. Um, and again, so we don't need uh, qualification. It helps to have the right motivation, but most importantly is that we have the right participation. And that's the Holy Spirit. Again, what's possibly being presented to modern Christian culture is a lot of information about about Jesus, a lot of information about how to share the gospel. And again, getting equipped is really, really good. But then if we're out living our lives with a whole lot of information, trying to strategize mentally as to how can I get this person to agree with what I agree with, uh, we can not be listening to the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the one who is the chief evangelist. He is the one who carries the message of the good news. And ultimately, because it's not just information, it's invitation, it's not just information, it's transformation, that the Holy Spirit needs to be present. Every time a person becomes a Christian, it is a supernatural, miraculous act that goes on. Again, modern church culture has said, well, if you pray a prayer, you've become a Christian. There isn't a scriptural basis for that. Can somebody choose in a moment to say, I choose in this moment to follow Jesus, to become a disciple of Jesus, to pursue him? Yes, they can. The act of being born again is a supernatural, miraculous act that happens by the Holy Spirit. You can position yourself in agreement. Absolutely. If someone says, I want to become a follower of Jesus, do I pray for them? Absolutely. And I'm trusting that the miracle takes place. But the miracle isn't the words that I have said or the words that they have said. The miracle is when the Holy Spirit breaks on in and comes and dwells in them and makes his home in them. That's the miracle that we're looking for. And that's something that God does. So salvation is a miraculous act of God opening someone's eyes to see him, opening their heart to receive him, and God making his home inside them. It's a miracle. And that's what we want to see. And I know sometimes we'll pray for miracles of healing and miracles of breakthrough, all that sort of stuff. The greatest miracle we can ever pray for and expect to see is the miracle of salvation. 
Jesus making his home in someone. So we probably should not expect to see good fruit from our evangelism unless we're working in partnership with the Holy Spirit. And that's not my idea. I think that's God's idea. I think that's what the Bible outlined. Acts 1.8. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples before his ascension, before he returned to heaven. He says, but you will receive power. So he says, don't leave Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit has come upon you in power. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and to Samaria and to the end of the earth. So he says, they've literally spent 24 hours a day, seven days a week for three years with the creator of the universe. If you want good equipping, I imagine that's the best school that you could attend. Three years full-time with Jesus, the Son of God. Amen? You're going to learn some good stuff in that. I think if we opened up, if Jesus returned and he only rocked up here and he said, hey, we're going to run a school where you can come and learn from Jesus, I reckon it'd be pretty full, okay? What does Jesus tell his disciples three years full-time with them? Is that enough for them now to go and take the gospel to the nations? Jesus himself says, no, because you will not be effective witnesses without my spirit. So he says, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. But when you, you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and then you will be my witnesses. You will go and testify about me from right where you are to the region around you and ultimately to the ends of the earth. You're sitting here this morning because those, that handful of men at that time listened to the voice of God. They obeyed what Jesus said and they waited for the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost, everything cracked open and opened up. So we want to follow that same prompting. John 15, 26 to 27 says, But when the Helper, that's the Holy Spirit, comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. So when the Spirit comes, then the witnessing happens. The Spirit will bear witness about me. So again, even as we're talking, we're we're journeying with people, it could be meeting a stranger on the street, it could be a long-term friend, we're in that moment, the Holy Spirit is speaking to that person. Again, without you, but also through you. But that should be the expectation. We're saying, Holy Spirit's gonna be prompting them because he loves them. And he's inviting them back into relationship with him. And I'm simply here. If he wants me to speak, I'll speak. If he wants me to shut my mouth, I'll shut my mouth. If he just wants me to pray, wants me to be present, whatever it is, the Holy Spirit desires people to become Christians far more than you do. If you have a wayward child, God desires them back into his kingdom more than you do. He loves them more than you do. He desires relationship with them more than you do. So even you're like, I love them so much. I have such a great desire. His desire is greater. And he is absolutely at work in the lives of the people around you. And I think where we have, you know, the culture is shifting in many ways to be opposed to Christianity. Uh, I'm not sure that that's really completely a bad thing. I think the church has existed for a long time on a pedestal that they've created that the world does not recognize. We think we should be in the power situations like the disciples were expecting. 
oh, why, Jesus, when are you going to start, you know, when can we pull out our swords and start dominating people on the earth? And Jesus is like, that's not how my kingdom's going to come. It's going to come in a really different way. And the church has been waiting, saying, why isn't the world listening to us? Why can't, why, we should be in the place of authority. And I'm just like, absolutely, in spiritual authority. So get off your backside, get out of the pew and go and live in the authority of Christ, sharing the gospel of the kingdom with everyone in every sphere. Don't sit around waiting for the government to give you permission to follow Jesus. Just go and do it and, and do it poorly. If you have to, at least you're gonna be doing it. Even the disciples came, didn't they? Like, there's people going around casting out demons in your name, and they, but they're not followers of you. Jesus, is like, if they're for it's, at least they're for me, they're not against me. Let them go. Just we got to be moving, not waiting anymore. We're not waiting for Jesus to return. That's not our job, is to wait for him. Our job is to go, to live as sent ones in every sphere of society. John 16, 13 to 15, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into the truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. So he's gonna continue speaking to you. He's gonna continue speaking to the world. Colossians 4, five to six, walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. You wanna have an answer. Holy Spirit will give you an answer. He will give you the words to say in those situations. But if I'm thinking I've got to have the right words to say, I'm totally relying on me. When we evangelize, when we live ordinary lives, I'm not just talking about evangelism. We need every day because we need wisdom from God. Amen? Every decision we make is like we need wisdom from God. But in particular, when it comes to evangelizing, you need to understand God's not dependent upon you. He's dependent upon himself to bring salvation to the earth. Okay? And he's inviting you to partner with him, to be his mouthpiece, to share what is going on, to be his hands and feet. Amen? All right, so how can we partner with the Holy Spirit in our evangelism? First thing is just ask him to show you opportunities. Expect God to give you, like to give you opportunities to do that. But we have to have our eyes open to that. I have to be looking for opportunities. Otherwise, I'll go about my everyday life and I'll miss opportunities that He is providing for me. Amen? It's the same thing as like hearing the voice of God. If I'm not setting time to listen to Him, then it's possibly going to be hard. He might be screaming at me and I'm not paying any attention to Him. So ask the Holy Spirit to show you opportunities. Ask Him for strategies. Again, every person is different. Every situation is different. You might have a short-term evangelistic journey. It could be a long-term journey with somebody. Everyone's different. Everyone's had a different history. Everyone's had a different response to God. They may have been brought up in the church and had a really traumatic experience. They might know nothing of Christianity whatsoever, had no experience of life with Christians or the church, anything like that. So knowing for every single person, the, the process is going to be different. The strategy might be different. It'll be prayer for one person. It might be a long conversation. It might be answering a whole lot of 
questions about Christianity that they may have heard misconceptions. And again, it's okay for you to say, I don't know. So if someone asks you a, a curly question, say, I don't know, but can I go find out and get back to you? Or how about you and I, let's go discover that together. You can do that journey with me. You don't have to be like the master of all wisdom and knowledge. Remember, you're just facilitating them encountering Jesus. And again, understanding that it's, you might only be part of a person's journey towards Jesus. So you do your bit. It's like, well, I, I prayed for them. Oh, but I forgot to, to ask them to follow Jesus. That's okay. I've prayed for lots of people and they just haven't. I've seen, as I've said, I've seen more miracles happen before my eyes with people who weren't Christians and didn't choose to follow Jesus. But the gospel was shared. The good news was shared. And they might look back at a time and think of that moment where they had an encounter with God. I remember one time Lisa and I were, were on a date night in Northbridge at Hogsbreath Cafe. Yeah, high class. Sorry, ladies, I'm taken. <laughs> um, chicken tenders. Remember chicken tenders? Yeah, all good. Um, but we were, <laughs> we were sitting on the, on the sidewalk, and a guy wanders up, and he'd had a few, you know, a few stubbies, and, uh, and he just wants to talk. So we sat down next to us. Another time, we were on King Street at a much fancier cafe, and, uh, and we're having dinner by a window, and a guy climbed through the window over our table. Do you remember that? Yeah. I, yeah, he was just talking to us outside and then he yeah, decided to come in and join us. So uh, Anyway, but this guy, and he, was, and he was chatting and he somehow in the conversation, I don't know all the bits, but he just he found out that we we're Christians and, and we just, just chatted and loved on him and that was like, and he was just like, man, you guys are great and the George and he kind of walked off and, and for me, like he'd had negative experiences with Christians. And I'm like, you know, if he walks away, having an encounter with someone who belongs to Jesus with a good taste in his mouth, like that's, that's a huge step forward for some people. Brett, do you want to share about your, your mate quickly? So uh, Brett works, he uh, does kind of gardening, landscaping, all of that sort of stuff. So he's got a, he's got a guy that he's been journeying with um, that is like a super interesting character, but you give him just give a rundown on. Yeah, well, originally I met this guy a year, a couple of years ago, and um, so I got a gardening, landscaping business, and I mow lawns. And I got sent there, and he um, he's got tattoos on like a seven 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 tattoo on his forehead, and he's got wears a big black thing, and he's an open warlock. And I don't know if you know much about that sort of stuff. He um, it's sort of like the man version of a witch and he puts curses on Christians and stuff like that. And So I walked into his house and I had to walk through it the first time and I felt a lot of intimidation and I bring up Brain Got Prayer. But then I had to go back there a couple of years later and I feel like I've grown a little bit. But um, we've just started chatting a little bit more and, you know, he tells me, I effing hate you Christians. Not you, to me. He goes, you're, you're all right, but um, he, you know... Uh, <laughs> So I'm, I'm like, that's okay, but, you know, I'm always on the lookout for, like, to share the gospel, but it looks different in, with every person. So for him, if I start going, hey, have you heard about Jesus? Okay, he knows who Jesus is. He knows who we are. And so my biggest thing is to love him because he's very broken. And so when I'm there, 
we, we just chat and he tells me about governments and, um, you know, when I'm mowing his back lawn, I go over his chicken bones where he could be doing active stuff and it's a good place for me. So where he's putting curses out, I'm blessing the land and mulching out those chicken bones. Uh, and, and he doesn't know, but I'm not there, um, you know, like saying, hey, but Jesus, this and Christianizing it. I'm just there loving him and We've grown really close, and I do believe there's a way forward for every single person. And, you know, Brad and I are talking about love and power. So it's like I'm loving him, but I know I've got the power and authority when I go onto the land. So sometimes you'll be an evangelist to the land. You'll be an evangelist wherever you go. I, I, I have this guy, and I haven't prayed for him. I, I just love him and hear him. And then, you know, I'll go to another place, and it's like, one thing about evangelism, you've got to get yourself out of the way, get disqualification outside of your mind and be led because when you're led, you have eye and, and keep your eyes open. So I went to another person's house. Some people don't want to hear and it's like, okay, I'm just going to love and bless you. And then some people, you have an open door. Like I sometimes pray for people or um, I, it comes up organically, but I, I'm, I'm looking. I'm on the lookout. I'm on the lookout to go. I don't have to do it. I've prayed for this lady and I prayed, well, she said she's had some funky stuff in her house. So I prayed for her house, prayed for her, um, you know, a little bit of deliverance going on. But I didn't, um, you don't need to, you just be led. You just be, I don't know, Jesus is working. And wherever you are, you're evangelizing. So it's just more like you have to be switched on to like um, that you, you, you carry Jesus, you carry the, his presence with you. And it's really hard, like Grant and I even talk about at the workplace, you hear a lot of negativity. And so, and it's hard to, um, you know, not react to that, especially if you're getting paid by them and they're already angry. And so it's hard to come in and be loving and kind. And then some, you know, it's, it's for me, it's like, yeah, you can be loving and kind, but also knowing that there's power and authority to have the breakthrough that that person knows. And Holy Spirit knows what that person's journey is. So um, just ask, like Brad said, the best thing I find about it is you pray and ask, get prayer for, like, I need help, I don't know how to evangelise, ask for prayer for people to get around you and pray. And um, I've, I've found, um, I don't like talking in big groups, I love one-on-one, I'm in pastoral care, but I love one-on-one catch-ups with people, so for me it's comfortable um, doing it that way, but uh, where am I going with this? I don't know. One-on-one conversations. So, um, yeah, so when, when, yeah, if you can sit down, <laughs> go down the back. Um, no, 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 I do have a play, I, I do have a funny train of thought. Um, but, yeah, one-on-one, what was I saying? I'm distracted. Evangelize. Um, so Brad prayed for me a while ago for, you know, to, you know, gift of evangelism or that open doors and so the thing is you pray and then don't just pray and then just hope for the best like the next day I'm looking for that sort of um, doorway to be open and so um, the next day it was immediately the next day that you know I prayed for someone and yeah she got delivered and stuff but um, so yeah just pray get people around you um yeah, and, and you don't need to go on the streets. You literally will meet someone every day and um, evangelising not just to the lost. Christians need evangelising some of the most. Most of the time I come across someone who they've grown up in the church and are really hurt and so they need evangelising 
as much. We don't need to separate the two. Um. Amen. It's good. You know, when Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, go therefore. And, and sometimes we think, all authority, like what does that actually mean in my day-to-day kind of journey with, with people? But oftentimes it's in that, the realm of, of the supernatural. So uh, I know I've shared before in the past, I've had phone calls. So twice it's happened where I've had phone calls from random people. One was a real estate agent. Another one was from a, a reporter from the West Australian. Both of them were around people having spiritual things happening in their house. I don't even know how they got my phone number but they just did, um, and then they're like, oh, we're just wondering if you can help. So I'm like, sure. So we went around there and, and you know, just anointed, pray, cast out spiritual kind of things. But I remember I was, went with, a, with another Christian guy uh, that I know, and, and so we're having a conversation with, with people, and they actually had um, some artifacts, some kind of cultural artifacts in their house, just came out in conversation as we're talking to them, and we said, that's probably you know, not good, but hearing this other guy kind of share, and he just talked about the spiritual realm. So a lot of people have spiritual beliefs. And so when we're talking about spiritual beliefs, what we understand is, well, what the Bible says that Jesus has all authority. So we're not saying, oh, ghosts aren't real, spirits aren't real, demons aren't real. We're saying, oh, no, no, all of that stuff that's happening in the supernatural realm is real, and Jesus is above it all. And so when we pray, we pray in the authority of Jesus or in the name or in the nature of Jesus is what we pray. So therefore, we have authority as Christians to command those things to to go, to leave, to do all that sort of stuff. And again, those opportunities, they haven't led to me evangelizing, particularly by doing that. But I'm evangelizing by kicking spiritual demons out of people's houses. You know, so that's that's part of it. But it's just opening that up. And it can, you can be big like that, you know, all supernatural warfare stuff, or it could be maybe you're at the checkout at the grocery store and, uh, and you just, you know, obviously if a lady to lady, man to man, you know, but compliment somebody. Just say, I love, you've got really amazing eyes. I often, I feel oftentimes compelled, you know, sometimes when you see people and they're dressed in a particular way where clearly they're searching for an identity that they don't know and they're presenting themselves almost like, I want attention by, by you know, in, in that kind of way. So just giving them that attention to say, oh, you've got such beautiful hair. It's so spiky and tall <laughs> and orange. It's just awesome. I love it. Um, you know, whatever it is, but like, just, just lean into that. Like sometimes you just want to tell people, hey, you just... I, and I don't do it <laughs> because I'm a man. But I just, I just sometimes, I just, I like, I'll see, I was like, I just want you to know, God thinks you're so beautiful, so amazing. I do remember one time I was on the streets of, of Fremantle. It was a Friday night, and, uh, and I'm just there being present for Jesus. So when I got serious about my relationship with God at 19, um, I was just like, I'm going to position myself wherever God wants me to be. So I would go into Northbridge on a Friday night and uh, I met up with these like street evangelist guys who'd play worship on the streets and preach and I'd hang out with them a bit, but I'd just go wandering around. One time I felt like God said, go buy a football and head into Northbridge. So I did. And, uh, and I went in and I, and I found some, um, some indigenous fellas hanging out in a park. Um, and I'm, so I'm just like, hey guys, you want to kick the footy? And so they're like, sure. So then we're kicking the footy and sharing. And then one guy says to me, he's like, hey, it's like, are you an undercover cop? <laughs> and I had a, a what would you say? No, no, I'm a Christian. And so I don't know if that was better or worse. But uh, <laughs> anyway, that was, I used to do that sort of stuff. But then I was in Fremantle one night and just, just wandering around. And I, uh, I actually stepped in and intervened. So there was a, a, a guy who had um, 
bumped into this lady and, uh, and she had obviously reacted to him and then the police got involved and, uh, and, so, and then they're like blaming the woman, um, you know, because, and so I, again, intervened in that situation. Said, no, 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 the guy started and I kind of led her away and she's crying and, you know, bawling her eyes out. But she had, so all of her hair was like really kind of cut off like you would like head shears or something like that. She had, you know, cuts and scars in her face. And, uh, and just as I'm talking to her sitting on a bench and, and she's crying, but she talked about her partner who had cut all of her hair off in a drunken rage. And she's got scars all over her face and uh, from where he's, he's beaten her. And, uh, and so I just, I was just, just sitting there kind of present with her. And, but I just got to say, you know what? God thinks you are so beautiful. God thinks you're so amazing. God thinks you're so wonderful. And she's bawling her eyes out. At the time I was a, I was a youth pastor and We'd have maybe 100, 150 kids come every Friday night. We'd preach the gospel all the time. And you'd get these kind of teenage kind of, oh, yeah, we've heard it all before. And, you know, it really spoke to me as this woman to sit there and say, God thinks you're beautiful. And that broke her open. It was like, that was good news to her in a way that I could have said that to a thousand kids. And they're going, okay, whatever. But, you know, sometimes it's knowing the words to say and, 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 and it, it just spoke life into her heart. Whether I don't know if anyone had ever said that to her before, and definitely how she hadn't been treated by, by men. But again, every situation is different. Every situation is, is going to need to be led by the Holy Spirit uh, in that situation. Amen? All right. So, expect the Holy Spirit to ask Him for words to say. Holy Spirit, you, might, you can do it in the moment. Spirit, what do you want me to say? But just expect he'll give you words to say. He'll give you answers to questions. He'll give you questions to ask. And again, expect him to show up when you pray. Expect signs, wonders, miracles, words of knowledge, prophecy, visions, whatever it is. Just expect, Holy Spirit, you're going to show up in this scenario, in this situation. If they need healing, pray for it with the expectation that'll happen, but with the acceptance that it might not, and you've still done a good and faithful job. He says, he says, go and pray. He doesn't say, the outcome is God's determination, I believe. Our, our thing is to just go and be obedient in that. Amen? So we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Bethy is going to share a little bit. I've got lots of testimonies. Hope you don't mind. You go for it. Um, I really liked what Teresa and Brad said about um, asking lots of questions. And I was thinking about how I, I had a bit of experience being a missionary for a couple of years overseas and I, um, a lot of experience with people who would class themselves as evangelists. And it was very off-putting, to be honest, because <laughs> um, they'd often just tell people all the time, tell them what they should know and what they should think. And it wasn't very loving. And so I, I had kind of thought, oh, yuck, evangelism. You know, it's got a bit of a bad taste in my mouth about it. Did the test the other day, you know, that test on which one you are in the fivefold. Evangelist was like huge at the top. I was like, what? No way. I like listening to people. Oh. <laughs> but then I was thinking, actually, that's the way it often works is, um, you know, asking questions and listening leads to these genuine encounters with people where they genuinely experience God. And so whatever I'm experiencing with God on the inside of me, you know, when I just have my hangouts with him in the morning and things, it leaks and it overflows. So like um, 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really like to class it as Christians and non-Christians either. It's like everyone's just on this journey. And, you know, Christians have big sections of their heart that are unevangelized oftentimes, like Brett said. And non-Christians are often had a whole bunch of seeds planted along the way and they're just on the verge of stepping over that line. So you don't know. You don't know um, who you're talking to and how many seeds have already been planted or how many seeds have not been planted. And so, you know, the other day um, I'm sitting in my, having my quiet time and I just thought of this friend of mine who I haven't seen since high school and I thought, gee, she's a beautiful woman. She's just really physically stunning and also her heart just shines out her eyes. And then I felt like Holy Spirit was enjoying the moment with me going, yeah, she's so gorgeous, isn't she? And I just thought, yeah, she is. And so I just sent her a text and I said, hey, you know, just thinking of you and thinking, you are just a really beautiful woman. You're physically attractive. You've just got these stunning eyes. I can see Jesus in your eyes. And um, I just wanted to let you know in case you haven't heard it lately. And she messages back that she would been very depressed, feeling very insecure, feeling really like she wasn't on track with Jesus and just feeling really embarrassed um, about her walk with God. And I was like, wow, that's evangelism. She's a Christian. That's evangelism. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in hospital. <laughs> I was in hospital with my son because he stopped breathing, and that was really scary. And um, and so we got we got put in for a week. And um, and so I'd I'd nipped out to have a cuppa, and the nurse was looking after my baby, and we're in the in in the coffee room, and there's another mum in there, and she's looking a bit frazzled, like I probably looked. And and I said, oh, you got a baby in here too? She says, yeah. And I said, oh, man, I, I've just been noticing that when I pray for my son, his breathing just changes, hey. Like he just, he starts being able to get the oxygen in. And even though he's rattling a lot, like he's still, he's still not setting the machine off so that he has to go on a special oxygen ventilator thing. And she says, oh, you're a Christian. And I said, yeah. And then she's like, oh, man. I think I'm a real backslidden Christian. <laughs> I haven't talked to God or been to church in so long. And I was like, oh, mate, that doesn't matter. Jesus loves, loves you so much. And I said, I'm going to be praying for your son to have the same thing with the breathing. And anyway, we went on this big, long chat and she's ended up that she's going to go back to church. She's going to go to Kingdom City, she says. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, and, um, and I was thinking... So these are just normal, like, little everyday stories. But something else I love to do is I wander around the streets. Um, whenever, my, whenever my kids are little and I've got a pram, just wander around pushing the pram and have a pray or walk the dog and have a pray in the mornings. Just pray over all of the houses around my area. And so I was doing this a couple of years ago, and this is just a good story. <laughs> I was doing this for, you know, on the regular, just having a pray around my neighbourhood. And um, anyway, this this one um, lady behind us um, just used to scream in the night, like scream and scream and scream and sounded like she was in massive torment. And we were having a lot of weird demonic stuff happening there as well. And anyway, one morning she just rocks up at my front door like had come all the way around, so it's a big block. She wouldn't have known who was behind her house or anything like that. 
She walked all around, knocked on my front door, and she's like this big mama with no bra on, like this ripped up shirt. And I was like, whoa, hey there. And then, um, <laughs> and then she's like, she just starts crying and she says, I'm being tormented. There's these demons that are climbing all over my house and coming in my room at night and I can't sleep and I can't get away from them and you've got to help me, you've got to help me. And I was like, sure. <laughs> so I just prayed with her and, yeah, that was pretty cool. And all of that screaming and everything stopped after that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Every story is different. Uh, some are spectacular. Some are as simple as just just blessing someone with uh, with a with a kind word. Um, so it's good. You know, oftentimes uh, it can the hardest thing can be shifting a, a, a relationship from kind of from being a stranger or being an acquaintance or even being a friend into becoming a disciple as well. And that's part of that kind of evangelism journey that ultimately we want someone to become a disciple of Jesus. We're not forcing them to do that, but that's part of the invitation because that's how you get to experience God is through the process of being his disciple. Uh, Even Matthew 28, 18, where it talks about go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. That means immersing someone in the reality of God. That's what discipleship kind of looks like on that journey. So we want people to become, we don't just want them to receive a gift and then not know how to use that gift, not know how to experience, not know how to live in relationship with God. Um, but often it is the hardest point to make. And sometimes for us, it's, it, it is actually that point of reject, potential rejection. When you ask someone, hey, have you ever considered following Jesus or, uh, you know, and then they might say, no, I'm actually just not interested. And that can be a real, like if we really love someone, we've journeyed with them and like we're just hoping and expecting that they'll give their yes to Jesus one day uh, and then they give you a a no, that can be really hard to take. But again, you don't also don't have to take no for an answer Um, because it might be a no now and, and a year later it might be a yes. So I'm saying don't give up on people, but, but I just encourage you sometimes where we can be journeying with people who could be in your workplace, but what are some of those questions we can ask to kind of prompt even spiritual conversations with people? So I, I like this one where you just say, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And again, people, a lot of people have spiritual beliefs. They might not be Christian beliefs. They might not even, oh, I guess I believe in a God. And then that can be that starting point to have conversation about spiritual things. I guess I believe that there's a God and, you know, there has to be something. So, okay, have you ever considered what that God might be like or or who that God might be? And it's an open kind of pathway. Could ask the question, oh, have you ever been along to a church before? They might say, oh, yeah, I went, you know, when I was a kid or I went with a friend one time, they invited me along. And that can be that open door just to shift the conversation towards spiritual things. You could ask, you know, what's your opinion on Jesus or what's your opinion on Christianity? What's your opinion on spirituality? And again, you're asking a question that's prompting conversation for someone. And even for them, it might be, I haven't really thought too much about it. But it starts them on that journey and in that conversation. Uh, I love this one. And even as, as Beth, you shared about prayer walking, I really encourage you. If you're like, I'm, 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 I don't see opportunity around my house. Maybe you're stuck at home, you know, all day with kids or whatever. Get out, go for a walk. But instead of just going for a walk or doing your exercise, be praying as you go. Just be blessing each house that you go past. Oftentimes, you might bump into the same people if you go at the same time every day. Um, but a really great question as you're journeying with someone is, ask me if God could do a miracle in your life today, what would it be? And they might tell you, I need a new washing machine. <laughs> 
or I, I need, I want this relationship, so whatever it might be. And then you can say, hey, can I pray that for you? And if they let you do it in the moment, that's good, or you can go away. But you might find, and I've heard so many stories of people doing this, even with strangers that they're bumped into at the dog park, and they're just talking, the conversation goes towards spiritual things. They start talking about God. They say, hey, can, if God could do a miracle in your life today, what would it be? And can I pray it for you? And they see, and they'll come back the next day or the next week. It's like, you wouldn't believe it. But the next day, a neighbor came over and said, hey, I've got a new washing machine. Do you want my old one? It's a washing machine. Who really cares in the ultimate scheme of things? It's like, did, are they going to die without a washing machine? No, but what happens is you've now come in. That neighbor could have dropped the washing machine over. They go, oh, that was good. But now all of a sudden, they've connected new or secondhand washing machine with Jesus. Because that Christian prayed for me, God heard his prayers, and he provided for me. But you see how those opportunities can kind of lead to greater things? Amen? All right. So then we've, it's, it's about inviting them onto a journey of discovery with God. So we start those spiritual conversations. But again, we can do all of that. And then where does it go? And we know lots of people, they know you're a Christian. They know you're part of a church community. That's all good. You've had some spiritual conversations. But then what? You've actually got to invite them onto this journey with Jesus. And that could be, hey, would you like to have a coffee sometime? We could just talk a bit more about, about who Jesus is. You might, um, hey, I'd love to share my journey with Jesus. I want to share my testimony with you sometime. Great opportunity. You get to share your life and your experience with Jesus. A testimony is always great if you talk about before you met Jesus, when you met Jesus, and after you met Jesus, how your life has changed. Um, we found this kind of resource online called Safar S. A-F-A-R. If you go to safar.org, uh, it's an online little kind of discipleship tool and just works through like 30 little mini kind of classes and it's just all the foundational stuff of God. It's from a missionary organization that works in Iran. So this can work with strangers as well, um, you know, people that you, or people that you know well. But again, it's just something where you can say, hey, would you be interested in, in discovering this? I know um, my, my cousin has, has become a Christian in the last few years, but, uh, but for her, she'd She's a, she's a lawyer, so, you know, well-educated person, but it came to the point one day where she just thought, I've never actually really looked into this Christianity thing, this Jesus thing. So it's really funny because she's my cousin, and I found out through other channels that she'd become a Christian and was, was attending a, a church. Um, but for her, it was just like, oh, I'm just, just going to, I just want to research this. So she went in on an intellectual pursuit to research it, discovered it to be, to be true. But it, we, it's so important that we don't assume that people are opposed to Christianity. Don't assume that people are uh, like anti-spiritual things. A lot of people are, because a lot of people have grown up. I mean, you might have grown up with a church experience. I mean, I, I didn't. So I came into it with, with kind of a, a clean slate in that. But I think we, from the media, kind of tells us all of this perspective on what the world thinks of Christianity. And, and I'm saying that's that is a lot of people's perspective. But there's plenty of people, as generations have gone through, who've just had zero um, experience of church, zero experience of Christianity, zero experience of Jesus. And so there's a clean slate and an open door. So come in, like expecting that someone will go, oh yeah, I've, I've, I've always wondered about that. I've, I've always pondered, you know, the existence of God or who this Jesus person is. Because he shaped history. I mean, literally, the date, 2022, is based around his birth. Like, that's a significant person in history. Um, anyway, so there's practical things. Get practical. Amen? All right, what I want you to do is grab out your phone or a piece of paper. 
And I want you to write down the names of five people that you know that don't know Jesus. These could be people that, um, that, you, that you're friends with, could be acquaintances, could be neighbors, could be a person that you see you know, every week at the checkout, whatever it is. I just want you to write down five names. If you can only think of three, write down three names. If you don't have anything to write it down, you can think of them in your mind. And I just want to ask you to commit to praying for those five people every day this week. Praying for opportunities for conversation, opportunities for encounter, opportunities just to, to, to talk about Jesus, to share your life with them in some way. Okay. And what I would love to see, what I'm expecting of, is that God's going to give you opportunity. And we're going to hear testimony because we've been intentional about creating space for God to work, creating space for God to move, creating space for God to speak to us. Amen. Can we do that? Can you commit to that? All right. Five people. No. Come on. Can we, can we commit to that? Yes. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. So praying for opportunities to connect and share, pray for words to say, pray for revelation for their eyes to be open to see him. All right. We're at the end. If we're not intentional about our evangelism, we will miss opportunities that God puts before us where he is inviting people to know him. God has chosen you to be the one to carry the message. So if, if, if we're not prepared to be used by him, then we won't be used by him and people potentially won't hear about him. Like that's just, that's just how it is. We must love more than we fear. We must love people more than we fear their rejection or their reaction. People's lives depend upon it. People's eternal salvation depends upon you not being fearful, you loving more than you're fearful, you speaking out that word, you being intentional. Jesus is saying to his disciples, like your whole life is about making disciples now. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you in power, you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's the same message that he gives to us today. That scripture applies to you and I because we are his disciples. So it's disciple to disciple to disciple for generation to generation to generation. And then it comes and it's landed on us. So what's the point of my life now? What's to love God? It's to love people. It's to make disciples and it's to see his kingdom come. It's not to have a bigger house or a nicer car. Or it's, all of those things are just secondary to the, to the commission and the call that God has given to every single one of us. And it's exciting and it's life-giving because we're partnering with the creator of the universe to restore humanity, to restore the earth to its original design. That's a pretty great thing to spend your life doing, I reckon. Amen? All right, I'm going to finish with this scripture. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20. It says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, 
not counting their sins against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God and God is making his appeal through us. I want you to say, God is making his appeal through me. That's the part that we get to play in the world. That's the part that we get to play in people's lives. What a privilege that we could be the mouthpiece of God, the voice of God on the earth. going to pray. I just wonder if you're, if you're able to stand, please stand with me. It's really important. I, I don't want you to do this because I'm telling you to, or even because the Bible tells you to, or uh, I want it because the Holy Spirit is prompting and stirring in your heart. And it's okay for you today to say, I'm afraid of that or I've had a bad experience of that. But take that and and do some business with God to clear that out of the way. And say, I I just don't feel the stirring. I don't feel the prompting. Then ask Him to give it to you. I I don't feel that love well up in my heart or compassion or empathy. Ask Holy Spirit to give it to you. So Father, we just pray that you would awaken love in our hearts for people. Love in our hearts for people, for all people, God. Even Father, in some of the testimonies we've heard that sometimes it's, it's even people that know you that need to hear the good news, that need to hear the gospel proclaimed. Lord, would you awaken love? A love that would overcome our fear a love that would compel us and I pray Lord that you would give us a fresh hope and expectation for those around us that they would meet you Lord that they would be reconciled to you that as we would live every day as ambassadors for your kingdom making your appeal that people would be reconciled to you. We pray, Holy Spirit, for your leading. We pray, Holy Spirit, for the words to say. We pray that you would highlight people. And Lord, I just pray even just a return of that childlikeness when it comes to, to sharing the gospel with others. That we would wake up tomorrow morning with that prayer on our lips in our minds, in our hearts. Open the doorway, Jesus. Show me. Show me who you want to love on today. Show me who you want me to connect with today. Show me who you want me to bless today. And why don't, if you you have maybe you wrote on a phone or a piece of paper those names of those five people you just want to put them in your mind right now we pray Lord for these people that you've put on our heart God 
We just pray for open doors this week. We pray for opportunities, Lord. We pray for boldness in us, God, to reach out and to connect and to share the good news with them, to share a word of kindness and a word of love, just to bless them in some way that we would open up, Lord, that we would be bold enough even to shift the conversation towards You, towards spiritual things, Lord, that we might be able to declare how good You are. Lord, that You would give us words to say, even just to weave the Gospel into those conversations. We pray, Father, salvation this week, Lord. Salvation for these people, Lord. Maybe those who have wandered away, that be restored to you like the prodigal son, Lord. For people, for their eyes to be open, we pray for that spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, that the veil would be lifted, that they might see you. Thank you, Jesus. And we pray, Holy Spirit, you would come and you would fill us afresh, Lord. Fill us afresh, Lord. Fill us afresh, Holy Spirit. We need your power, we need your wisdom, we need your insight. And I pray, Father, even if there's anyone here today and you feel like you need to recommit your life to Jesus. You may have been a Christian for a long time, you may have made a commitment years ago, but it has waned and you're just feeling like, man, I need to to get back into right relationship with Jesus. I wanna pray for you. We just pray, Holy Spirit, come now in Jesus' name. Come now in Jesus' name. We just pray for fresh filling, for fresh fire. And why you just repent to the Lord and say, Jesus, forgive me for where I've turned away from you, where I've allowed the fire in my heart to grow cold. And I invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill me afresh to reignite that fire of love for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, we've come to the end of our time. If you do have kids, but I want to invite you forward. If you missed out when we prayed just for activation, uh, for evangelism the other week, and you feel like the Lord has called you and and really hired the gift, we'd love to pray for you, lay hands on you, need anything else, any other ministry, we'd love to bless you in that. We do release you if you need to grab your kids, but you're welcome to stay around and worship with us a little bit more as we pray for people. Amen.